He can dish it out, see? I shoot square, I ain't afraid of nobody. Shoot first, argue afterwards. You're listening to Movies for Decades. This is Movies for Decades, where we romp through the decades of film history, jumping from one to the next, starting with 1921, transversing 100 years to this fine year, 2021, and we just randomly choose a movie from each year, no rhyme or reason, it's just what we feel like we want to watch, and this time we watched Little Caesar from 1931. I thought that was a good intro. And I'm Helen. Helen Cottingham. I am one of the Albie siblings. I am the oldest Albie sibling. I am the big sister. This is my podcast now. This is totally my podcast. Anyway, continue. Do I go second because I'm the second oldest? Yes. I'm the middle child. My name's Colin. All right. I'm the third place child. Um, the bronze medal, John Albie. I get the silver. <laughs> Good to be here. Okay. This is a pretty, I guess maybe where I'll start is that this is a movie in an era that partly why I came up with this gimmick or partly why I liked the gimmick I came up with. I came up with the gimmick of watching every movie from a decade starting with the digit. And I, you know, I guess partly why I liked it is that I do also feel like part of what I like, this is partly a history pod. Yeah. I think it's partly a history pod. We're nerds. We love history. I mean, I was a history major. Yeah, you're especially qualified because you majored in history and film. Well, I don't know if history is... I mean, I don't know if especially is the right word. You're slightly more qualified than me or John. Sure. So, I guess one exercise I want to play with this movie is... Do y'all remember the year 2017? Vaguely. Yes. Sometimes. (laughs) Does we lived it... in the duplex and I was pregnant. Yes. Sure, but but what you would describe that as a a long time ago or not that long time ago? I think of it as a long time ago, but I mean, it's easy to think of it as a long time ago if you think of it in terms of the Trump administration. It was yeah, a long time ago. Time is so weird now, especially now that I have a child. Like, it was 2 seconds ago on the one hand and it was 20 years ago on another i feel about the same and i don't have a child so, so what's your point <laughs> well my point is let's say the year 2017 we watched movies in the year 2017 did we not we mostly sure. watched twin peaks but yes. yes yes so let's imagine not only is there no television let's also imagine that every movie you can possibly that pretty much every movie you can possibly see just in the year 2017 is a silent movie Okay. Okay. Every single one is a silent movie. And except one that comes out. One movie comes out in the year 2017 for us that is a silent, that is that has sound and it's a big deal. Yeah. And then maybe another movie comes out at the end of the year. But like maybe we don't get to actually see it at all because we live in Birmingham, Alabama. And I mean, I don't know if maybe they got sound equipment for that screening if the jazz singer happened to make it to Birmingham. Maybe. Sure. Maybe. Jazz singer being the first movie with mm-hmm. with sound. With yes. Sound. So now let's okay. Now let's also think about the year twenty nineteen. How long ago does twenty nineteen seem? Very recent. Very recent. So, the year twenty nineteen, still mostly silent movies that you can watch if you want to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. 
And into here in Birmingham, maybe, I don't know when the Alabama got sound. I yeah. really maybe it was just the Alabama theater in the entire state that had sound. Yeah. So now, basically, last year, the year 2020, let's say movies were you could still go to movies in the year 2020. Although, still, where I'm going with this, it's a hard year in 1930, 1920. But now it's like more. Most movies are starting like the slight majority of movies you can go see especially cool movies have sound that just basically happened except for charlie chaplin because he's ornery right yeah and And like go see him anyway because you love him yes but like so basically that's how new sound is like basically this year 2021 is the first year where basically every movie is sound basically just now and that's the era we're in with this movie 1931 1931 1931 is that's how new sound movies are so just the gunshot sounds in this movie was astounding to people well i think one thing about this movie is this is sort of we're in the era where like a lot of people weren't thrilled about sound but you know who a lot of act, you know, a lot of actors weren't necessarily thrilled about sound, but a lot of actors were very thrilled about sound in 1931, and most certainly writers were thrilled about sound, and that combo is on display in this movie with the dialogue. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I really love the how it starts out with this little my dinner with Rico thing where they, <laughs> they establish that they're Italian by ordering spaghetti and that is the only indication you get that they are Italian for the they, whole movie. They, I love how they start and and uh, they just state their entire motivation right up front. You don't have to spend the movie wondering what these two characters want in their life. One of them wants to, I guess, murder people and be somebody, and the other guy just wants to dance, you know? Dance and date. We have these, Andre and Wally or whatever. (laughs) Wallace, Sean, there. What what did he do with the clock? Did he just make it so it was open longer? So they had an alibi, because he just Uh, went and shot up the gas station from Twin Peaks and created the woods. Right, yeah. And uh, and then, um, yeah, I cracked it, guys. Anyway, and then... They went to the diner and turned the clock back so they'd have an alibi being like, no, officer, we was we was eating scatty at the- I thought he was just trying to make the line cook work longer. No. <laughs> That's kind of what I got out of no, it, too. No, totally for an alibi. Okay. I will stand by that. Okay, Worst. that makes more sense. That makes more sense. Kitchen closes at midnight. Well, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> how make me some scatty. I guess that's what, what I got from it, just as a... A millennial who's concerned about places closing. <laughs> Especially and also, we live in Birmingham, so things close at night. Yeah, in other right. big cities, things are open all night. Not always. Yeah. Not even always. But that I, is a small town. I remember, out. yeah, um, with the dialogue, I mean, there was some really good stuff in there. Towards the, the beginning, I remember being like, I have this feeling with every mob movie I see, I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. They're talking fast. They're talking about some kind of heist. Am I supposed to be able to be getting all of this? And then it very quickly... You can't dish it out, see? Yeah, it it kind of becomes very clear that that's just like pretext. And then the emotional content will come in. It'll be very easy to understand because there was all that planning and like, why are they going to this? What is happening? What is this heist about? Or whatever. And I just Money, sure. I just wasn't really clear. And then I'm like, okay, the point... That's not the point. They get to the point, which is friendship and betrayal and all that. (laughs) And character. And it's also just, it's more about like the rise to power than the specifics of whatever, which is a little bit of a 
crime movie trope, or at least gangster movie trope. And this was a very morality play kind of story, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he, it was yeah. very much teaching us a lesson, but I didn't feel preached at, even though the cop was the hero who I love. I love that cop. I, he's so like he's mean. So he's got the meanest sounding voice. Talking about <laughs> voices oh new to God. film, and this dude had a hell of a voice. Why Just isn't that guy? so famous yeah (laughs) so like i meant to write you know like maybe since i segued with the dialogue in this movie guys but like i don't really i I should have like written down more of the non-stop one-liners but my favorite from the from the bull the name of the cop is the bull he's got another name but uh, is my favorite is towards the end where he's just like he's on the phone and he's just like uh, he's like you missed the next stretching party. It was a big success. Yeah, and my favorite thing about him is he is so chilling because he speaks so slowly and precisely. And yeah. it just I just hung on every word. Yeah. And I was holding my breath every time he was on screen, and he would like drop a bomb and then turn around and drop another one. Oh, I, I didn't like... wish y'all a merry Christmas. I, it's. <laughs> It's funny to me, like, how he was just full of these lines and he's so threatening. And yet, for a lot of the movie, the police are really ineffectual. Just yeah. kind of like, we wish we could take you down, but we're too incompetent. <laughs> well, like, what I think, what I, I had this thought, in some ways, that's not, that's pretty normal for a lot of these crime movies, a lot of gangster movies, is that, of course, the cop, well, usually the cops are just either totally ineffectual and sad but like what's interesting is i feel like in a lot of cop movies your crime your your crime bosses your your protagonists your are like lording over cops like you know what we did but you don't got anything on it right but like in this it's like it's like the the bull just drops into these gatherings and he says like i don't got anything on you but i know yeah. <laughs> yeah, that watch of brick was thrown through the window and a platinum watch was stolen last night. Let me know if you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, and that's just so beautiful. Stone like, cold. That dude is so sexy. <laughs> and he just like, yeah, knows knows exactly what these guys are up to. And he knows that they're a bunch of idiots too. Yeah. That's something that really struck me is like, there was no real criminal mastermind trope. These guys weren't masterminds. They were just lucky. Lucky and, 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 you know, and bold. In, and bold, increasing levels of ruthless to yeah. get yeah. you to the yeah. top. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is a very pre code thing that the, our main character is not a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that died in movies for a long time, right? Like, More, I mean, in some ways, this movie fits that kind of code requirement in that you could have anti heroes, but they had to. They had, had to, to suffer. They had to suffer in the end. Mm, okay. So in some ways, this movie fits that. Okay. And the code was already kind of starting to meld at this point. Okay. Because I thought yeah. that, like, I my impression was that there were no anti-heroes until the 60s, and that's why there were so many anti-heroes in the 60s. I mean, that's part of it. And that's certainly why, like, you know, a movie like The Godfather, where, where like, Michael Corleone just sort of wins in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, spoiler alert. You know. yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing was explicitly not allowed. And so even your... And so film noir is, like... I mean, in some ways, this is a proto-film noir in that sense. But uh, they had... Even if they won, they had to... They had to go down in some way towards the end. And, uh, and also, you think of Walter White, 
even yeah. I kind of thought that movie was going to end in a moralize that show was going to end in a moralizing way and pre code it would have you know not yeah. that they had but yeah. instead crime no, doesn't pay guys yeah. But, yeah but you can kind of go like mm, pro- yeah so um, I guess another thing thinking about this as sort of a history pod the you know this movie's kind of a, about its era so the 1001 movies you must see before you die has a re- includes this in the book and i read the review i thought the movie i thought the review was a little overwrought with talking about how this movie's also in addition to being a crime movie an allegory of the great depression and the crash mm. i thought that was a little overwrought but i think it is true that the themes of of uh, rico slash little caesar's Rise. Rise is his like meaty. He's kind of like starting from kind of the bottom, and then his meteoric, crazy ride to the top, and then big crash. Those are some themes that resonated in the year 1931. Yeah. yeah. Oh, get, and yeah, that guy reading it. aloud the cops' words in the newspaper, meteoric, and he was <laughs> yeah. somehow terrifying, even being read aloud by a guy who can barely read. I I really thought that was a great touch. Yeah. And, uh, there are so many great little touches in this movie um ones that come to mind are the thumb the the, the sort of thumb he theme. points at he people points with his thumb. thumb and then and when towards the end when he goes to confront joe the other character isn't that his name yeah he, he's like he, he you're wondering is it the cops or is it little caesar coming to his house and you know because he's pressing that doorbell with his thumb oh. it's a great shot it's, i thought it was Really a nice touch, and I'm nice like, oh, that detail. ain't that ain't the cops. Look at that thumb. <laughs> there's, there's one guy who likes to use his thumb for things. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Rico. old Rico. <laughs> I, I noticed nothing about thumbs other than I didn't see anyone who didn't have thumbs. <laughs> that is the only thing I noticed about thumbs in this movie. So yeah, good, good it catch, definitely folks. stood out to me that he pointed at everyone and he with like, his thumb. Would just like at the at the end of one scene, he just sort of like jabs somebody with his thumb, just like. Eh. <laughs> it's a really weird moment. He's kind of awkward, and I think it's—I think it was meant to be played as kind of awkward. You know, I don't yeah. think it's just dated. I think he's a. And we're talking Edward weird... G. Robinson, the the actor playing yeah. Um, Rico. Yeah. yeah, I think he was meant to be a little strange and stilted and have these weird mannerisms. You know, it, um, yeah, really good, really good there. I shoot square. I ain't afraid of nobody. <laughs> see, see, Helen, Helen he just, wrote down the line. He's dying to shoot somebody. Yeah, he just can't. He's just like, man, when am I gonna get to shoot somebody? <laughs> and then he yeah, shoots. I wrote down a bunch of shooting people quotes. Shoot first, argue afterwards. And yeah. why did he? Why? I mean, he shoots a commissioner once, and then everybody's like, oh, this is our guy. He did a really stupid thing. <laughs> like, let's make him boss. <laughs> It's just that alpha male crap. Oh, he's oh, old. He's tough. Yeah, he acts. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, hem and haw. He can dish it out. See. <laughs> yeah, and he he's like Captain Kirk. He's on the he's on the planet with the crew. Yeah. For the job. Yeah. He's not. <laughs> he's not back in the office yeah. playing solitaire. Right. Beating yourself at solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is also kind of like a. This is sort of more or less the beginning of that trope of of the rise to power that mob bosses get to. Lots of movies, including even shows. Breaking Bad is is the sort of whoever's gonna out alpha like it's just sort of alpha dogs out alphaing each other, and and the guys going like this guy's crazy. I mean, this is big time in the movie Scarface, hmm. um, which I meant to watch. I was gonna maybe watch the movie Scarface 
from 1932. Not the original. The yeah. original. I was going to maybe watch it, but I kind of felt like I didn't have to, partly because of this factoid, which is, uh, I don't know if you looked up W.R. Burnett. Mm-mm. So he's the guy who wrote the novel. Right, okay. He hated this movie. He didn't He didn't he love it. He moaned and complained about it for lots of reasons. For lots of reasons. We'll maybe get into one in particular. Yeah. Um, but he also got to write the screenplay for, I mean, I think he was involved in the writing of this movie, but he got to write the screen, he wrote the screenplay for the for Scarface. And who was this W.R. Burnett guy? I don't even know what W.R. I wrote, made sure to write down his name so that I knew his name, but I didn't write down what W.R. Sure, sure, stands sure. for. He, in some ways, she deserves a lot of credit for inventing this gangster movie genre, hmm. I think. Because he's a guy who wanted to be a writer, and he's from Ohio, and he goes to and he gets he goes to Chicago and in, in the early twenties and gets a job at a, as a clerk for a seedy hotel where he encountered a lot of these. And that was Al Capone's era. Yeah, that was Al Capone's era in Al Capone's town. Yeah. So he encountered a lot of these people on their way up in the middle of Prohibition in the twenties, and so he's he's kind of writing what he saw, you yes. know. And so he's kind of, this guy is maybe responsible for this whole genre to a degree. Um, and so the three movies that kind of came out within like a year of each other, Little Caesar, Scarface, and The Public Enemy, and those movies, those three movies apparently, and of course Burnett is involved in two of them, yeah. are kind of established what the gangster genre is. I've never is. heard of Public Enemy. I only associated those words with who, Flava Flav? The hip hop fan. Yeah. Great, great group, dude. But <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. There you go. Yeah. So I didn't know there was a movie, but that makes all the well, sense. Yeah. I think being a public enemy was a thing that. Was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so these uh, so I think, so that kind of like, I think he probably witnessed that probably just offhand, or at least people talking about it. like guy kind of goes like, we should do this. Like, shut up, you're you're crazy. Like, no, you're you're being you're crazy, or you're, uh-huh. you're just you're just not willing to do the good stuff. Yeah. And he's like, you're just not murderous enough. You're not murderous enough and bold enough. <laughs> and there it goes. So um, he's a, um, so that that's kind of where this movie comes in. I, I feel like it helped me understand the, the mob movie, the gangster movie, because I've never been that into them. And I felt like there was some kind of in-jokes happening in these movies that I was never catching on i never was that into the godfather or at least scorsese movies i just didn't understand the template in a way and i feel like this movie was just kind of this guidebook for it like this is it this yeah, it was is a your, rosetta stone this yeah. is the rosetta stone for gangster film and i was a little bit like okay i, I get it i get it a little bit more i don't mm-hmm. think i'm a fan but mm-hmm. i i do get it yeah. i do understand what these beats are meaning and this one's a little it was a little boilerplate it was a little like dry in places but i do feel like it was uh helped my understanding yeah, yeah. me too yeah. i mean i love the godfather partly just because daddy loves the godfather sure and it's one of the only movies with gratuitous violence that i understand the reason for the violence yeah but yeah i don't consider myself a mobster fan i yeah. guess i am the one who really likes mobster movies in this room and i don't yeah. even i haven't even watched them that obsessively I've of course also seen The Sopranos, which is real good. And this, yeah. this movie's borrowing from that template some too. And Although then, maybe yeah. that's why I wasn't that into The Sopranos. Is I just felt like, I don't know, it was playing to a very certain audience of people. 
And I guess it's the type of people who just is addicted to this whole formula. This uh, the tough guys, the tough guys, yeah, yeah. the the, 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 guys. the the kingpins, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think what doesn't work for me about a lot of mob movies is you don't exactly have a strong dancer character. Yeah. You know, there's like I want to be a kingpin, not kingpin. I want to be a dancer. I feel like you don't get the normal person enough in, yeah. in gangster movies. I feel like that. You know, the, the regular ass, like, I just, I don't care. I don't want to be here. I don't actually would, want to shoot yeah, people. Would of, you call that a strong part of this movie, though? I liked him. I thought it was it was <laughs> a big part of how it worked. And the scene where they he confronts Joe towards the end, that was a big scene. That was a powerful scene. He's like, like I don't want to shoot my friend. He's just a regular guy. It's the guy, only but, time he ever has empathy for anyone. Yeah, yeah. He's just so cold-blooded. I think the whole movie was in that scene. Really? I was like, oh, this is where it's well, working, you know? But is that just me? Do you disagree? Well, I just thought that character was pretty weak in his performances. And I think that yeah. that review from the 30s is basically yeah, they correct. they him to shreds about how what a bad actor well, he was in that review. Or 1930s fine. language. They I think, were mean. I think what they said, though, is that he wasn't so much he was bad as miscast. Yeah. Like, he's not, like, convincing at all as a guy who maybe was a tough guy. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I do think maybe we'll go... This is as good a segue as any to... Like, one of my thoughts after this movie is that, like, does this movie have gay subtext? Yes. Oh, my God. I definitely was picking up on that. I mean, him and his little buddy, his little yes man that he has. The flunky. And they're in the bed together in that one scene. Yeah, he lives next to him in the bed. And and it's just sweet, and I, I love their little relationship, and I'm like... Is this supposed to be here, or am I just 2021 just ready to see queer stuff in movies? Well, so I had the same sort of thought. I was like, am I reading too much into this? And uh, and then, of course, I go to the Wikipedia article, and there's a whole section that says, possible LGBT subtext. And I'm like... (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And apparently, Otero, that was his name. He loved Rico so much. Oh, like, so find man. a man who looks at you like Otero looks at Rico. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my oh, gosh. Man. Yeah, I loved. Uh, at first, I was like, "What is this little chipper dude doing in this movie?" And then it's just he's there all the time, just smiling at him. Smile, and I was like, "Oh man, yeah, this is one of the best parts he, of the movie." He convinces him how good he looks in a suit, and he's like, "I don't like it. I don't want to wear it." And he's like, "You look fine, boss." Oh and man. He looks so. <laughs> Adoringly, it's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, that but... is a good scene. <laughs> oh, and another thing I really liked I expect every single one of my future birthdays, and write this down, guys, to be a banquet. A banquet. A banquet for my honor <laughs> and my, my tough guyness. I just was like, so. It was so Do we funny have to, to steal me. a watch for you, boss? <laughs> it was so funny to me that they just like sit at this big table and they're just literally celebrating how cool they think Rico is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the whole purpose of it. And they're, and they're having a full blown food fight. Just slinging All right, stuff boys. at each other. <laughs> Haven't you ever been to a banquet? <laughs> And they all try to give a speech and they can't. They literally like, I can't talk fancy. You know, they just struggle out a few nice words. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we do really like you, boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really cute. Well, one quick aside, you know, uh, on that this just occurred to me. I think one thing is interesting about this movie is that like, you know, going back also to the, the guy struggling to read the newspaper yeah uh-huh. in, the, in the same flop house as the kid you... yeah it was the same set. <laughs> it kind of looked it like the it flop house that charlie yeah. chaplin went to in the kid anyway, anyway um i, I kind of and then of course the guys who struggle to art be articulate and they kind of don't feel like actors like i almost wonder if like back in that 
you know, 90 years ago, it was a little bit easier to find people who, who actors. I'm like, I almost wonder if they're actors or if they're just actual no, they people. They probably who, were. There has always been character actors that will just do any little job. I don't know. What I'm getting at is I'm wondering if it was easier to find kind of unsophisticated people who were like kind of had the right look and were not used to speaking. Like I feel like nowadays you get people who are actors and they want and they want to play this kind of and they've been working on their voice, you know. And I back then because of the silent era was so nearby, but you had people who were used to being in front of a camera who just weren't used to speaking. And, and so maybe like, that's yeah. what, what you're getting at is that's in that that's in here. I know? feel like yeah, that's what's in this. I feel like that's who a lot of these people are. Like they're really people who like are not kind of uncomfortable with public speaking in a real way. Yeah, that you don't have later in yeah, movies yeah um yeah. so um i guess another less quick aside i don't know if y'all were jumping in but I, if we're done with the the gay subtext no well one, no, one thing i, I want to get into is it. that i thought i was i thought like ooh, I, that's a deep thought of mine but then turns out even at the time that wr burnett guy was like why did you make rico gay <laughs> yeah, he was mad. Yeah, that was he one was... of the things he was mad about was he thought that that um, they seemed like a gay relationship. And Rico seems to have no interest in women ever at any point. Yeah, yes. none. Yeah, even in that even in that first Skeddy scene in the diner, like he's like uh, he's, he's like I just want to make it big and kill some people. And he's like I want to dance and there's so many girls in Chicago and or he's wherever. Like, women so. and he has this like looks him up and down like what are you stupid women women have you tried murdering yeah exactly <laughs> so I kind of like yeah so it's it's kind of obvious yeah and, and even yeah. like the most significant close-up is in the big moment of the movie where he doesn't kill him yeah yeah because maybe he loves him a little bit he loves him a little bit yeah I think yeah. it's there and I think and of course I think in the novel that it's based on he's like your classic sort of womanizer sure that, that's sure. also a gangster movie trope and yeah. so like burnett noticed what was going on and i don't really have any other context for like like in terms of who wrote the screenplay who might have shoved that in there yeah or, or... i have no idea it couldn't have been intentional could it i mean maybe i, I think it could have i i i love it yeah. and i <laughs> i'm glad that I mean... people noticed it back then you know and i it's i don't know it's somewhat refreshing to have a villain yeah, you know who's sort of queer reading. You know, I think now. Yeah, because he's very masculine, but he also seems to really love other men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's a complicated character. He was, I I really enjoyed yeah. that aspect of it. Yeah. And I loved Otero, Otero so much. He's him. the world's greatest toady of all time. I know, and he just like. Oh, they, he just loves him so much. Just so unconditionally, like, yeah. man, it was so cool how you killed that one guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your best friend forever. But he did <laughs> accuse him of getting soft when he wouldn't kill Joe. Yeah. And then he shot Joe, but not fatally. Yeah, yeah. And but I he like took matters into his own hands. I like that Joe never snitched. Yeah. You know, he he he, he never, never did snitch. actually snitched. He, he, his girlfriend snitched. He, she sang like her. a canary. Yeah. I love her though. Yeah. 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 I want to talk about her a little bit. Yeah, she sure. Just, Go for yeah, it. I like how she they immediately establish that she's smart because she feels the gun in his suit and immediately knows the score. Yeah. She's like, that gun means you're in the mob. She yeah. puts it straight together. And yeah. isn't like, oh, about it. She's like, she's like, uh -huh. so that's the deal then. You know, she's. And he's like, no, it's all good. She's like, mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> very, she's got a very calm clear understanding of what it is she doesn't like it she's up front about how she doesn't like it 
he, I love how he just immediately goes to, just forget it ever happened, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> I do think, though, and this is, I mean, I did have this thought watching this movie. Is like, I'm like, I think she's the only woman who has lines in this Yeah, movie. oh, this movie does yeah. not pass the Bechdel test <laughs> at, at all. Fucking yeah, yeah. Not at all. I do like that in that scene on New Year's where the owner of the club, his wife or his girlfriend, or apparently the word is mall. I'd never heard that before, but the mobster girlfriend's word is mall that just shows how not into mobster shit i am that i didn't know that um but yeah she talks for him and gives orders for him like you do what you're told the wife of the club owner and he (laughs) pats her on the shoulder like thank you baby you told him whereas i feel like now this movie she'd get like backhanded yeah like I don't know. Like Maybe that's not now. Not now, but like other mobster movies, the women know their place, but these mob women seem really tough, seem really loud. Yeah. Um, they were fully participating in the food fight, in the food fight scene. Like, I love these parties. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> My boyfriend his, and his friends throw such great parties, we get to throw cake at each other. Like, <laughs> Anyways, talk more about um. Yeah, the, oh, the girl. I, her I name, don't remember her name. I yeah, feel terrible. Sad. Oh, um, Olga. Olga. Yeah, yeah. It was a great. Wait, name. was that the character's yeah, name? Yeah, the character's yeah. name. The real lady, Glenda. <laughs> I can't remember her last so, name. So ninety years ago, you could have a hot lady character whose name was Olga. Yeah. yeah. Ninety years ago. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can bring it back. She's smart. She's moral. She knows exactly what she wants and she knows the difference between right and wrong and she speaks her mind. And apparently that actress played that character forever. Really? Fun trivia. She was in a series of nine movies made over the space of three years. So three movies a year where she played the character Torchy Blaine. <laughs> The plucky reporter who Lois Lane is based on. Huh. And she was famous for being able to say 400 words a minute. She was the classic, fast-talking, smart-mouthed reporter girl. The original. Yeah. Huh. And that was her character that she perfected. Huh. And you can see that in this. That she's going to have a reputation for being the ap- actress you go to for the tough girl and the smart girl. But yeah. also the bombshell blonde who's tough and smart. Like yeah. She, yeah, she created that that trope, basically. Cool. So I want to. I, I want the box set of the Torchy Blaine movies now. I want to watch all of them. Um, welcome and to of the Torchy Blaine podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, we could go there. Her name is We've... Torchy. I also want to name a dog Torchy. Because what a name. Yeah, because yeah. don't name a daughter Torchy. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. No. I don't no. know. I'm into it. <laughs> you could name a daughter. Next or like one. a cat named Torchy. Next good one cat name. Next yeah, one you poop out, name him Torchy either way. Torchy Blaine, Lois Lane. Um, sure. Yeah. Wait, how do you spell Torchy? T O R C H Y? Yeah, I think so. Torchy. <laughs> torchy. She's a, you know, she's a firecracker. She's. She's downright Torchy. Yeah, it's, it's like a literal, you know, those old school nicknames were as literal as humanly possible. Like. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I loved her. I loved how unafraid she was to stand up to all the terrifying men around her sure like people are waving a gun around and yeah she's scared but she's she's still quote-unquote squawks or whatever she goes and he's like please don't and she's like no i'm calling the cops right the f she took control of the situation Yeah, yeah and he's freaking out he's like we gotta run away he's gonna come kill me and she's like no stop think this through we can there's a better way out 
I've got a plan. We're going to call the bull right now. That was him being like, just forget about it, baby. Like he was earlier yeah, in the movie. Yeah. He's I do so feel like... avoidant. He's so wishy-washy. And she is the boss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like this movie simplifies a lot of plot elements that are normally key, complicated plot things. And partly because it's movies like less than hour 20. And like a lot of things that are like very complicated story elements in other crime movies are not at all in this movie. Super One cool. is that is like the girlfriend wants to snitch and it happens. And she hates the mob. She hates that he's in it. And yeah. so she fixes it. Yeah. Basically is what happens. And then the cop wins. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. You um, know, that like those are two things that are like, no. You know, like, I'm gonna call the cops. You know, like it's like he's like, has anyone thought to call the cops? <laughs> you know? Let's do that. That'll fix us. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of works. Yeah. Turn state's evidence. They'll protect you. Mm-hmm. And man, sometimes it's like, will they though, or will they just get killed next to us? But the bull will protect you. The bull will will take care of business. Yes. <laughs> God, such a and like that character actor. He was a character actor. We both looked him up. He's like kind of like nobody didn't have that much of a career really. I mean, no, it's not. He had a good career as a character actor in a lot of movies, but like, I can't like, and I've seen some of them. It turns out. But like, mm, not really big, notable. Nothing notable, which seems so sad to me because he just chewed scenery. He was stole he took, every scene. Yeah, took over You're every about scene. Rico? No. no, the bull. The bull. Who's the bull? The cop. The cop. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I mean, he was so good. Happy yeah. New Year, boys. <laughs> Gosh, it's just yeah. so you know amazing. What? That's how I always pictured Voldemort's voice. Yeah. And I hated those Harry Potter movies because he's like, <laughs> you know, I yeah. hated it hated it i wanted him to be like this cop was just pale and even and calm yeah and that's yeah. what made him so intimidating and so impressive was he was so precise and calm yeah. and knew exactly what he wanted every second i'm gonna get you one day rico <laughs> it's just amazing it's just amazing we love we, this is a bull stands podcast yeah we are bull stands for as sure. much as i don't like gushing about cops this movie makes you do it this yeah. movie makes you do it and yeah that was the attitude back then especially sure. again like this movie is very moral mm-hmm. and but i didn't feel preached at i was just uh, along for the ride and rooting for the people the movie was manipulating me into rooting for i and, mean this movie i mean these movies are good at that yeah and of course hollywood under the Hayes code got really good at like making bad people who you really like and but they go down in the end you know oh and the most heavy-handed scene can we talk about where the driver has his freak out and goes to his mom yeah and mm-hmm. she's like oh, oh yeah. you used to be such a good boy you used to sing in the church and he's like i need to go back and be a good religious boy and go confess and then he gets shot on the steps of the church like that is as metaphoric and as visceral as it gets yeah. the first uh, drive-by shooting in cinema history apparently really yeah. drive-by wow. shooting yes Wow, huh? Right so, by shooting, that was shot. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you guys because I didn't read this thing that you guys texted in the in the podcast chat. This yeah. review was it a contemporary review? Yeah, from the thirties. Yeah, from tell 31. tell me about it because I did. I intentionally didn't read it so you guys could just tell me all about yeah, it. Yeah, so much. You don't you don't have to read from it. I kind of want to I read parts. Want, it's very short and it's very nineteen thirties. Okay. Like. Oh uh, yeah. I love finding primary documents. Is that what they're called? Yeah, um, I guess so. Is the New York Times going to be like, you read like this already. You can't word. 
So this is New York Times. So um, yeah, actually, what are some good lines? One thing that's weird about it is the fact that it says the mob. Yeah, in puts air quotes quote. around the mob in every single reference to the mob. It's like the mob. The mob is broken, and you know, like it's like that word's not going to catch on. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, um, the selfie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the, 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 yeah, I mean, it, the way it shits on Douglas Fairbanks Jr. is, I think, kind of correct. Um, Man. Huh. Hey, at times. I thought he was fine. Like, I, like at times. I'm going to read it in the voice. Yeah, try the translation. See? At times, see, Mr. Fairbanks talks and acts like the cheap Italian thug he is supposed to represent. But more often, he is the pleasant, sincere youth he has been seen to so much better advantage elsewhere. I think that's probably correct. I haven't seen yeah, Douglas Fairbanks. Yeah, he was a sincere youth more than he was a tough guy, for sure. sure. Yeah, didn't buy him at all. Is uh, And also... I didn't want to buy him as They that never one. would have the alternate job be dancing anymore ever again. Like, man, you get paid $100 a week to dance in a club, and ballroom dancing is the entertainment in a nice club? How cool. I want to go to that club. I want that job. Wow. I just, I just called the damn club back then. Yeah. Um, so what else was said in this review? Like, just ballpark. Um, um, like It's kind of like, open to unusual crowds yesterday. Yeah, it <laughs> apparently did really well. People huh. loved it. Yeah, I mean, of course, it was a hit. Um, unusual crowds. I was thinking of the mob. Like I think, I think, <laughs> I think it's just, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of people with face paint at this movie and lightsabers. <laughs> Exclusively, oh. exclusively juggalos for some reason. <laughs> 1931 <laughs> juggalos, juggalo. God no. What's the deal with magnets? See. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not that long of a review. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I thought was. They really praised the guy who played the bull, so he was impressive even then. Yep. William contributes some. <laughs> no, all it says is Thomas Jackson as the detective is also. Noteworthy. No, noteworthy. See, that's the face. <laughs> wow. Yes. This be still my heart. I'm noteworthy. Yeah. Yeah, I think this movie mostly just kind of talks about the. Um, well, it's definitely praising Edward G. Robinson, who we should we need to make sure we say Edward G. Robinson's perform. You know his name. Yes. Him being Little Caesar, and he's ter- sure. and as this thing says, uh, it is a wonderfully effective performance. Yeah. At Mr. Robinson's hand, a figure out of grief, epic tragedy, a cold, ignorant, merciless killer, driven on and on by an insatiable lust for power, the plaything of force that is greater than himself. <laughs> Stop. Totes. Stop. <laughs> yeah, and he he apparently was a really sweet person, IRL. Like, he gave to huge amounts of charity. He was kind of typecast as a tough guy. But, he got a face like that. Yeah, yeah, but he he was actually I think he was married to the same person for a really long time. I mean, after a first the you know early Hollywood unusual for Hollywood. Yeah, this man like, had a happy marriage. Yeah, well, I mean, he probably had three or four wives, but like the final one he was married to for a long time. And uh, yeah, all I read about him was that he was a kind, sweet person. And of course, a Romanian Jew. Yeah, and, and he he did a lot of work for. Uh, trying to help Holocaust victims and wow. get them out of Germany. Wow. Um, yeah, they left. And it was way before all the historical Nazi stuff, but they yeah. left because of Jewish persecution in Romania. His brother was attacked by a mob, yeah. and that's why they came to America. And he is a Ellis Island story through mm-hmm. and through. Wow. 
and became a huge star. Wow. Playing Italian mobsters. Well, and that's also one of the things W.R. Burnett didn't like. Is like, there's not a single Italian in this movie. Yeah, it bothered. <laughs> Apparently, me there's a not. Lot. Huh. Yeah. And um, yeah. but anyway, that that was later fixed. Then it, it, later movies have plenty of Italians playing yeah. Italians. <laughs> sure. Uh, one thing I thought was really interesting about Rico, since there's a lull, is that he did not drink. Yeah, except yeah. at the very at end. At the very end when he had lost his will to... Yeah, be, beware of, of dangerous people who don't drink. You know? <laughs> we don't have a good track record with that. <laughs> oh, here's another aside. Do you know Prohibition was still in effect when this movie came out? Really? Oh, is that why he was all, I don't touch the stuff? I don't think so. But like, uh, I think the I don't touch the stuff was maybe a wink at any cops listening. Oh. I see. Okay. But um But he really didn't. Like he refused yeah. it every time it was offered to him. Yeah. 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 Except for when he's in Charlie except Chaplin's flop house. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess maybe one thing I'll go into is is sort of another reason why it's not an accident why this movie was is a Rosetta Stone is that a lot of heavyweights are behind the scenes on this movie. Daryl Zanuck is the producer. Who's that? Daryl Zanuck was a guy I'm trying to remember what studio he Ran, but he was a big time Hollywood studio executive. He won three Oscars as for, for Best Picture. Oh, no. Okay. As a producer for Best Picture winners. Um, I think they were How Green Was My Valley, Gentleman's Agreement, and uh, All About Eve. All of which I've seen in Oh My God, All About but, Eve is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, ever. so he produced, and, and so he was a Hollywood executive and big time produced tons of movies. So his, his fingerprints are over tons of classic Hollywood and this is one of his relatively early movies that he produced what creative fingerprint is left by a producer exactly because you know back, lots. Then, back then it was a lot more <laughs> because uh, the writer say. it's their words and the cinematographer it's their eye and the director it's it's the well their eye as well yeah and, and I mean their and, words often yeah. in their words and I mixed together yeah, because Daryl Zanuck was also a writer, and I think he's he's uncredited writer for this movie. So what and, uh, does the producer... Producer... I, what do they leave behind? I think the Lots. producer back in that time did a lot more of what we think of as directing now. So setting, like... Setting uh, yeah. the tone for the whole thing, having the vision for what kind of movie they're wanting to make. Mm. And yeah. Well, the producer is in charge. Sure. The producer's in charge and gets kind of, especially in this era of Hollywood, producer got final say of everything. Yeah. Well, another another guy worth talking about, Mervyn Leroy. Mervyn Leroy? I don't know. The director of this film hmm. directed tons of things. So his, his fingerprints are all over Hollywood too. But probably the thing he has the most notable fingerprints on is that he is the producer of The Wizard of Oz. Wow. The director of this film is the producer of The Wizard of Oz and one of the things about like that movie in particular like it's funny how MGM's two I guess it was MGM that Sanic worked for. MGM 1939 big year for big budget movies in MGM Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz filming at the same time. Sharing one of the sharing their main director also Victor Fleming but David Selznick very much the author auteur of Gone with the Wind, the producer of Gone with the Wind. And then right. Mervyn Leroy, very much the producer and really real auteur of Wizard of Oz. Wow. So another example of like, and that's kind of how Hollywood was back then, especially then. It was more of a, it's like, it's we can't really mourn the fact that it died, but this whole like director in charge of the movie was not a concept back then. You know, he was the director, but mostly it was like, it was almost more like how 
pop music is sort of now in a mm. way mm. like um except the director isn't even the pop star it's the sort of the movie itself is the star sure and and the rest sure. is very much manufactured and there's a lot to be said for it because that hollywood system packed talented people like i've just reeled off together to crank out pretty good art yeah and so there's there's something to be there this era of hollywood is to be appreciated in a lot of ways for for what the talent that it brought together i have a few uh bits of trivia mm -hmm. also apparently a quote from this movie was going to be in michael jackson's al capone song but it got cut before it was released, the quote at the end, You're, you'll never take me alive or something like that, right when Rico's yelling, taunting the cops. Huh. That um, John Barnes, the producer for Michael Jackson, added that line in somewhere, which I love songs with movie quotes. I wish it was still in it, but it got huh. edited out in the final cut. But that's an interesting bit of trivia. You know, the Sharky's Machine was they re-release downloads that you can buy now yay and so I, I downloaded this way and it's great except that it doesn't have the, the princess bride quotes what? oh shoot and the other sharky's machine quotes that's my favorite thing about sharky's machine right <laughs> anyway so that's about anyways yeah. i love songs with movie quotes in them um also the sicilian mob started in new orleans yes because <laughs> i went down a huge what's the actual history of the mob rabbit hole yesterday and it wasn't new york it wasn't chicago it was new orleans where the vast majority of sicilian immigrants showed up and started racketeering the docks and the oldest crime family new orleans are where else the deep south <laughs> Orleans. yeah and i, mean, I thought we're... that was cool and of course there were other versions of the mob there's irish mob the jewish mob the greek mob the african-american numbers game that the these mob movies in hollywood often emphasize the italians and glorify the italians i feel like even the way history is taught is like the mob didn't really exist until prohibition and like not true it didn't become as big a business until you outlawed one of the most profitable things there's, in the universe there's always crime out there yeah, you know there's always crime yeah. happening <laughs> They were skimming off of the imports at the docks at every port city. It just really hit the big time. And that's another thing about this movie is that was in recent memory. Al Capone, was he still alive? Was I think he, dead? he was. I don't think Al Capone was in jail yet. I'll yeah, have to check so that. But I don't think he was super... even in jail. I wonder what he thought of this movie. I would yeah. like probably thought it was him dope. going yeah. to see it. Like, well, the trick is, is I wouldn't get shot in an alleyway. Yeah, <laughs> and he got shot behind the sign for, for olga and joe which yeah. was so yeah. poetic yeah cinema but yeah, yeah. So that one was i actually felt like that was a little heavy-handed yeah. a little okay all right yeah but <laughs> i thought i don't know they turned him in Let's see but yeah so i was just because so when people went to see this this was i mean now we watch it and we think oh back in the day with well, the glory days of the mob and we kind of romanticize it but this was everyday life this was people in their town this was communities getting harassed by these people and yet this movie was still popular yeah so they were romanticizing it as it was happening which i guess we do with like drug lords now yeah, yeah. el chapo yeah el it's chapo. interesting 
I don't know. Okay, yeah, so he was. Uh, it looks like he was. His trial was happening at the time this movie was out, so that wow. was in the papers. Huh. And yeah. uh, it's a good time to be releasing a mob film. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's it was really interested. on everybody's mind. That's probably yeah. part of the success. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I've never. Yeah, the mob seems like this faraway thing to me. You know, yeah. it's it, it's interesting to know that to think about what was contemporary to those people, and yeah. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing about this movie: the old grocery store lady wins in the end. There is another female character. There's three. There's three. Uh, the old, oh yeah, the one who hides out. Who hides? In, oh yeah. Who hides in behind her shelves? And she's like, I'm the only one who knows where the money's hid. So he's dead, and she's the only one who knows where the money's hid. Oh man. So she has all the mob money now. She runs that town. The old oh, grocery man. store woman. The old grocery. Wow. I had not <laughs> thought about that angle. I. That makes me like the ending a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> he's dead. Some lady's rich. <laughs> she, and he tells her, he's like, I can't get back to my apartment. That's where the rest of my money is. And I don't think that's what she means when she says I'm the only one that knows where the money's hid. Like, he's also hiding his money with her. He's got it spread around and yeah. not in banks. She's the only one with the books. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he and he's asking, like, wait, I need more. And she's like, you get $150. Like, she suddenly got the control. She He's begging her for I'm a front kind runner, see? Yeah. And yeah. she gets it all in the end. That was... I did remember watching that like, oh, wow. Like, who's she, powerful now? Yeah, it ain't him. He's stuck one. in a closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's the she, only one that knows And she only had him for a little bit, clearly, because yeah. then he's just trudging around in yeah. flop houses. And he's drinking. Drinking. Yeah. With his $150. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. So that old grocery store lady who sweetly smiles at the cops when they come to check and like if you see anything and she's oh yes sir and <laughs> she's like a millionaire now great character <laughs> I, i've kind of forgotten about her actually you know yeah. it's funny like i i feel like one of my criticisms of this movie was that it's a little bit sketchy and like not that but now i'm thinking like well maybe another viewing would 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 add more depth to it it the time went by too fast for me i struggled to keep up with how much time had passed with this movie it was i love a fast-paced concise movie like i've said but, but this movie zips through like yeah. basically a couple like possibly i don't know how long i mean it could be like a decade or a couple years but it's definitely like a a couple years worth of time yeah, that they compress it's into it's so hard to keep track of because it feels like he walks up says i want to run with your crew see and then immediately he's knocking over a club and shooting someone yeah like it just seems like it goes there's no way to perceive how much time has passed right and help us at all he says stuff like i'm tired of taking orders from you and i'm like what is this like week two of you being on the job buddy like what do you mean you're tired of taking orders get past your probation period man Yeah. yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to follow how much time has passed. That's one yeah. my one critique of this movie. And I don't know if that's just from the time or if they were... I mean, I like that the movie's short, but yeah. I don't. I wish that they had managed that a little bit better. I think there's just some clunkiness also with the filmmaking, which is, I think, another sort of drawback of the early sound era. I mean, I'm, one thing is I think you'll notice the movie's hissing constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And one answer I don't really have is like whether it's some of that's preservation of early sound films versus... Maybe that's just how they sounded because technology had to improve by did improve by leaps and bounds. Yeah. But I think I think like I've actually seen several movies like mostly of Frankenstein and um, Dracula, both came out in 1931. Hmm. 
And those movies are very much hissy, weird-sounding yeah, movies, too. Yeah, where the microphone's just that crappy. Something I, I want to mention that's dated and strange, um, but I liked it, was the sequence where they're at the uh, New Year's party, and there's sort of the action sequence when they're coming in to knock yeah. it down or whatever, and it's all fades. Yeah. It's all fades yeah. in the action sequence. And I liked it, but I remember being like, this is a strange no, choice. No, okay, I read something. I read some weird paper written by a doctoral student somewhere because oh. I was deep into Google Scholar because I'm a nerd. And he analyzed for. that scene where it's like, it's all fades until Rico shoots the guy and then it's a hard cut. Yeah. And that's to emphasize that he is taking control in that moment. Yeah. And the there, fades were like he was just following no orders and yeah. no control. And then the hard cut visually represents that he's now in control and he's now being decisive. And that was the moment when he took power for himself. Right. And that, that was, was the film telling you that. That was with an, the cuts. an interesting choice and one that you don't see. I need to yeah. reference yeah. who that doctoral student was that I stole that from just now. We'll anyway. in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> Show notes. Show yeah. notes. Yeah. Sure. Maybe. You know, I, you know who you are. I also but, uh, really loved this slide. I read your paper, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I really love this slide where he says... Um, and he continued to take care of his money, his gun, and his hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you were supposed to think that was funny. Vain or yeah, no, like... that that was another thing. Like... <laughs> well, then it cut to the, him in the monkey suit, right? Going and, yeah, and, he... his, and what's the toady's name? Uh, the Otero. Possible Otero. lover. Otero. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, nah, you look fine. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think some of like it's definitely an interesting stylistic choice. I mean, but some of the I feel like. I think so, there's a lot of these early sound movies take a step back from the silent era in terms of their stylistic choices because the camera kind of had to be more static because of the way sound was recorded. Mm. Right. And that's something where the technology had to improve. But like late silent era films are really zippy and often very modern looking in terms of what they do with the camera. Yeah. And like it kind of takes a step back because of, they had to be in these big studios and like. And I guess the camera equipment moving is loud, and it would get yeah. in the in the recordings. You would pick up, yeah. I don't know how accurate it is, or if, how much of it is comedy, but I think it's partly accurate. Is the movie "Singing in the Rain," which show, portrays the early si sound era, uh -huh. and uh, and of course, basically, like they they almost treated it like a recording studio where the director had to go behind like go in a box go behind the glass basically uh -huh. and then they and the mics were like not boom mics but actual like and they had to hide like this mic right in, in like bushes and stuff sure and so it was they had to figure out sound and yeah. they they did pretty quick because i think by mid-30s movies sound kind of normal except yeah. for other things that are dated yeah oh and because mics were hidden in the bushes and stuff did everybody kind of have to stage project when did Probably. i imagine so yeah. i mean it's true even now it's it's easier for everyone if you speak at a consistent noise level yeah and so well no on in, in movies you're supposed to talk whatever is natural and like if it's a scene where you're talking then you get mic'd up you get a little lapel get, mic well you yeah. don't get a lapel mic but you get like it's under your shirt you know the sound guy yeah. has to like stick it to you so yeah. you can make sure that you get across your important <laughs> I'm gonna have to compress the shit out of what you're saying right now <laughs> in order to get it. <laughs> That's because you needed to mic me up better. <laughs> anyway, 
yeah. that was not a thing back then. That was then. not a thing back then. That's what I'm saying. So it's a yeah. little bit more thespian seeming. Yeah. With the project from the diaphragm and the yelling every line, see? Yeah. It also kind of works with these. Yeah, tough especially guys. the mobster movie that really works. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it would stand out more in something else. They also probably had to adjust just how you do acting in the early sound era. Yeah. Like film acting hadn't really settled in to how to do it right for a few more years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But anyway. Man, yeah. the, this, uh, what's his name? Robinson. Edward G. He Robinson. really I mean, set he, the bar high. Yeah. 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 He had it figured out from day one, it looks like. Yeah. 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 This was a good movie. I was, I'm surprised that I liked this movie as much as I did because like we said, I'm not really a mob movie fan, but this this got me excited about it. This made me want to read the history of the mob in America. This made me want to watch other mob movies with this new understanding. I mean, and this movie was really fun. This yeah, was a fun. fun movie to watch. Yeah. I recommend it. I would recommend it. So we're doing final impressions? Yeah, right. I, I, you know, at the beginning I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this. This feels too dated. But I mean, all I ask of a movie is to give me one good feel. Yeah, and I got a too. good feel, and that scene where he confronts him, and I got some good laughs, and, and there's there's there was enough for me. I was I thought it was good, didn't maybe think it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely better movies. Like again, I kind of wish I'd seen Scarface because I suspect from what I hear, it's a better movie than this. Hmm. Certainly, it's more iconic in a lot of ways, at least in terms of what the later film took from it and all that. The world is your stuff. But I guess I, I is the question like unless do you want to watch this movie if you're not a film nerd? And Eric loved it. Yeah, Eric's a little bit of a film nerd. Not in the way that we are. Though. Not in the way that we are. I guess. I mean, the answer is maybe. Yeah. I guess if you're only want if you're really not interested in watching that many movies from the 1930s, but you'll watch a couple, you should maybe watch some other ones. But uh, watch it for the bull. The bull. Well, hello, we liked boys. <laughs> you know, you're listening to a Bull Stands podcast. <laughs> Be ashamed if you weren't. I will. If that one way you're into. Get you someday, Rico. <laughs> God, I love him so much. All right, are we going to do what, what, are, we, what are we consuming? consuming? Yeah. I'm going to get my list out of my purse. Hopefully this let's is going to be a loud zip Let's go sound. from gold medal to bronze medal. Helen, you start. No, I can't on my list. Okay, fine. I, I, I could, pulled it out. Okay. I listen to podcasts eight hours a day because I work at a job where I sit in a cubicle with my fingers on the keyboard and headphones in my ears. So the podcasts I listen to this week are... Podcasts like it's 1999, a show where they watch only movies and shows and talk about music from 1999 because that was an incredible year for film. For example, the episodes I listened to this week were The Matrix, Election, and Galaxy Quest, which Felicia Day is the guest on the Galaxy Quest episode. And Wait, which show so is this again? Podcasts like it's 1999. Oh, that is a good year for yeah, movies. Wait, did good... Election come out in 1999? Yes. Yeah. Wow, right? Before that actual election, that was so yeah. controversial. <laughs> yeah. That movie yeah. is so amazing. Like, wow. But anyway, the Felicia Day talking about Galaxy Quest, oh my God, my heart. It was, I love that movie and she loves that movie and they all just gushed. It was their top movie from that year in a lot of ways. Like it made me feel so vindicated that I love that movie so much. 
and it was great. And then I listened to the Bechdel cast, which is another film podcast where they run every movie through the Bechdel test, which if you don't know, is two female characters that have a name speak to each other about something besides a man. That's the Bechdel test. Most movies do not pass it. Hilariously. Such as the movie we just just watched. watched. Yes, Uh and so there's a whole podcast where they analyze movies based on that test. They're very lighthearted, though. It's not like they're super hardcore, but they I listened to the election episode of that. That movie only passes once. Really? Crazy. That's what's good about the Bechdel test is that it's a pretty, like, easy test to determine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's some, some boxes you can check. Yeah. And, and you can think about it and go like, uh, nope, no, nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's from a comic strip written by a woman who's, whose last name was Bechdel, um, where it's just a little, like, two-panel comic where it's like, I only see movies with that, those criteria. And they're like, well, what movie was the last one you saw then? And she says, Alien. Hmm. And that's the joke in the comic. And that spawned a whole feminist discussion. Huh. Um, anyway, in the other episode besides election of the Bechdel cast I listened to was the All About Eve episode, which passes like crazy and is an amazing film for its time. And I love it. And then I listened to the Reckon interview, which is a local Alabama podcast where they interview people from Alabama. I listened to the Paul Feinbaum episode and the John Paul White episode. Paul Feinbaum? Yeah. It was, Paul? It was interesting. Um, he's actually a really smart, cool guy. Oh, of course he is. Yeah. He's also like, he knows his job. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to the fiction podcast White Vault. It's amazing. It's very um, John Carpentery, uh, like horror monsters and archaeology archaeological dig site and monsters it's great it's right up my alley i love it i listened to twiv this week in virology because i'm a nerd and i want to have a working knowledge about everything so i listened to a podcast about scientists talking about viruses i listened to my brother my brother and me it's funny you should listen to it and i listened to npr's consider this and i also listened to the daily because i'm trying to stay up on current events and those are my podcasts for this week because I listen to podcasts like it's my job. All right. Cam? I also listen to a movie pod. Um, I watched, I listened to an episode of Alienating the Audience, which is pretty good. They do kind of sci-fi-ish movies. Andrew Heaton's a fun guy. And uh, who hosts, and they did, I listen, I'm like, I'll listen to the Mad Max Fury Road episode. It's not the first Mad Max Let's Talk About Fury Road episode, but so yeah. that was entertaining. One podcast I I since our last recording have started listening to dead eyes yay i love dead eyes it's a great show i feel like i have a lot to say about it um you met tom hanks I and met he tom was H- lovely to you he was unbelievably lovely to me yeah um you could be a guest on dead eyes and tell your tom hanks story yeah yeah um i cannot tell him i said anything because I, I i saw him eight years ago yeah was, yeah oh god almost nine years ago yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and the the it's also interesting because I actually have been on both sides of an audition. Yeah. And so I've had that thought. There's a lot to think about, especially if you're into like if you're listening to this, you may be like movies and into. show business stuff. So you'll definitely like this podcast. It's very engrossing. I have lots of thoughts about it. We'll maybe talk off mic about it. I've also I went to I watched I've been watching a little more Buffy. Yeah. Season four. She's in college. She's still got same problems. Yeah. Um, and, you know, still has monsters. And every now and then there's a pretty good villain. And it's like, like this would have been a good villain to string out over three or four episodes. Nope. Dead. Dead. <laughs> good game, guys. Um, 
Uh, I also I did see, go to the sidewalks. I went to two movies this week. Well, like on Tuesday, I went to the uh, sidewalk cinema. Was doing their sun, you know, sidewalk film festival. Sidewalk cinema was a, was a satellite of the Sundance Film Festival. Yeah, I'm so sad that I'm so broke and can't participate in that. Well, like I wasn't really paying attention that well. How last is week. it with COVID times? How do you see these movies? You go to the movie theater and it's mostly empty, like it usually is on a Tuesday night. Okay. And, <laughs> and they right. want you. They prefer you to wear your mask during the movie. And, um, yeah, that's an unaddressed thing about this podcast. COVID is still happening. I am vaccinated, but we are all in the same room talking at each other. We're in each other's COVID pod. We're siblings. Whatever. Don't judge us. Okay, please continue. <laughs> I feel like, you know, if one of us gets sick, then like the, whatchamacallit, the, uh, the, you can start calling, the contact tracing is relatively easy. Yeah. That's kind of my <laughs> philosophy on sure. this. But anyway, yeah, so... I was like, oh shit, I'm going to completely miss this because the last day turned out to be Tuesday. And I'm like, shit. So like, I basically had one choice and I saw a... Actually, what was premiering was a show um, called Philly DA, a documentary show. Philly DA, which is about uh, Larry Krasner, who is a guy who I was not aware of. Larry Krasner is a progressive guy who ran, who basically spent his career as a civil rights attorney suing the police and the nice. attorney general's office and in 2017 in philly he ran as attorney general and won so this you know so like that's on my radar now that that's a thing that happened and so he's been trying to and so the documentary is about like that election and also you know in some ways it's a you know the dog caught the car so <laughs> like a guy who's a real reformer and a serious reformer sincere reformer is now trying and to now has power now has what power does he do with it what does he do with it and it's and he, it's it's very interesting like okay wh what what powers do you face in that he so, just has to walk into a room and speak very slowly and look at everyone's <laughs> eye and smile i think the bull was corrupt though oh <laughs> i think he might have had i think he was pocketing some things and that's mm. partly why he was such a good cop or good at beating the mob. Boo. Yeah. No, we're bull stands. Boo. <laughs> I'm still the bull stand. But anyway, no, I'm also a Larry Krasner stand. Nice. Stand. And um, how can I watch this documentary? Well, apparently it'll be on PBS. Okay. But it was so I watched two episodes. It was pretty good. It was it was it was like maybe not a great documentary, but definitely like I'm paying attention to this Larry Krasner guy now because it's like okay, an actual reformer. He apparently is, he's doing some good things. But it's definitely a, a very uphill battle, and it's quite interesting. I also last night went to see a film. I like. I just like. Basically, Tuesday reminded me like I want to go to the movies more. I want to support the movie theaters, and like I went. Now on that Reddit has saved AMC, we need to go to the. Movie yeah, theater. right. <laughs> and like, uh, and I'm generally like, and I mean, I went on a Friday night, and like again, I, I feel like movie theaters are not difficult places to social distance, especially yeah. with the way AMC does it where like you have to pick your seat anyway yeah so it's pretty it's easy it's an enclosed space but it is a really high air volume because yeah. the ceilings are so high it's probably okay like if grocery yeah. stores are okay as long as you're dude not, if like, grocery stores are okay then it's a <laughs> i mean wear a mask the whole time the problem with the movie theater is if you're eating popcorn then your mask is off and that's no good you have to like not eat anything also some people i won't say who don't put their mask on when they're not eating pop once the lights go down i'm like yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm, that's not me I anyway you sat uh, far away from people and you watched a movie hooray yeah and uh, I watched uh, what was it The Little Things that's out now what's that 
Uh, it's a movie about cops pursuing a serial killer. Um, Is it Oscar bait? Maybe. Because It's got Denzel in it. Oh, snap. It's got Denzel and Rami Malek. That's wow. how you say his name. Oh, I think I've seen And Jared Leto. That. Yeah. Is Jared Leto tolerable? I'm sorry. That was a really hater-y thing to say, but he bothers me sometimes. Well, he plays the serial presumed killer? serial killer. Um, the 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 guy they're pursuing as the serial killer suspect, and so he he plays a pretty you know creepy guy. So if you want to, if you're inclined to be creeped out by Jared Leto, then well, okay, there you go. Anyway, good movie. I'm still digesting it since I saw it last night, and I still feel like it's one of your solid three star movies, not four star. It's a good movie. I'm still I don't know how good of a movie, but like good movie. Denzel is a capital M, capital S. One of the greatest actors. Movie of all star. Time. Yes. So it was cool to see him in a movie. Anyway, that's what I got. That's what I've been. Cons- okay, third place child. So um, we can go the other way next time. Uh, <laughs> I watched Citizen Ruth. Ah yes. By nice. starring Laura Dern. Loved it. Highly recommend it. Alexander Payne, who uh, directed Election. That was his debut film. I liked it a lot better than I liked Election. He's such a complicated character. He's uh, made some garbage movies and some great movies. Yeah, Alexander Payne. Is he a writer-director? Yeah. Okay. Election kind of bums me out in yeah. lots of ways, and I think it's kind of dark and mean-spirited in some kind of ways. But, And, and you can sort of see that in Citizen Ruth as well, but it's... I don't know. It's Laura Dern, and so you, you love her. Yes. And she's so flawed. It's one of those, like... This person is a terrible person, and you are rooting for her, you know. Nice. And you're, and she's surrounded by other terrible people that you somehow hate worse than her. This you is know? a Laura Dern stands podcast. Yeah, yeah, we are Laura Dern stands faux yeah. show. And right after that, I watched Enchanted or shoot, <laughs> Enlightened, also a Lord the Laura Dern HBO show. Pretty good. Disappointed with how it ended. I've been listening to. An album by an artist named Kite Hands Glowing. She's only got two albums. It's the second album of hers. It's singer-songwritery, person at a piano, getting sad. And if you're in a sad and gooey type mood, I strongly recommend it. Nice. And that's what I got. Cool. I listened to a bunch of the hip-hop artist Dessa this week. Uh, yeah. She's like on the Doom Tree, which they show up on 99% Invisible and Night Vale a lot. The Doom Tree rappers from the Midwest Collective. Cool. So I listen to Dessa. She's good, music-wise. All right, I'm, are we gonna? Are we good? Are we? Are we pushing oh. the button? Hey, uh, thanks if you're still listening or listening at all. Uh, we'll see you next time. We're gonna watch citizen kane oh we pretty much have decided we're watching citizen kane next. yeah yeah which i have never seen so and in citizen kane spoiler alert there's things you can talk about citizen kane. Yeah. so bye guys okay.